Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Great, great. Everyone's saying hello. Everyone's being welcomed. That's wonderful. I love it. I love every bit of it. Um, we just want to welcome you guys here. Uh, it's a good morning. It's a good morning to thank Jesus. It's a great morning to thank Jesus. I just love that song, It Is Well, because it's not, I don't want to say you're lying to yourself if, it, if you feel like it's not, but I think it's something to talk to your emotions and your mindset about of like, is it, like when you sing that song, it's like, God, I feel like it's not well right now. But the more you sing it, the more you're like, it is well. Like, this is, it's weird. That's one of the few songs that you can sing yourself into believing it and being like, it is well with my soul. What am I worried about? What am I stressed out about? Like, all these things don't last forever, but my soul is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, and that is forever. So, it is well with my soul. And I want to encourage you that when we were singing the, uh, that song, Waymaker, and that, like, he never stops working. And, and the thing is, what I love about that song is that, like, a lot of us want to put the Holy Spirit and Jesus into this box of our senses. Right? If I could hear him, if I could see him, if I could feel him, if I could smell him, I know... He's working. But that's not how God works. He doesn't work according to your senses. The beauty about it is that he's always working on the outside of your senses. Even when you don't feel him, and even when you don't see him or feel him or sense him, he's always working. He never clocks out. He's always in overtime. He's running the budget of heaven high. All for your good. So... I, wanna, I wanted to encourage you guys, because I think there are some of us who feel like, man, when I, I, I know God is near me because I can feel him. No, that's not true. He's near you whether you can feel him or not. So I just wanted to encourage you guys, but let's pray over the word. And Father, I just thank you for this word for today. I thank you for the vision for the people of Pioneer Church. I pray that every word is spoken from your throne and not from my intellect, Lord God, because the demonstration of the Spirit's power is not on how eloquent and clever my words are, but it is just on you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, so we, if you were here for our anniversary, we said that the, the word that God gave for pioneers, uncharted. Uncharted. And if you guys are here for the party, wonderful. If you aren't, it's okay. You're living out the vision by being here. Hallelujah. And so to be uncharted, it means not shown on a map or not shown or located on a map. It's unknown, an unexplored place or region. And we spoke that if God has called this church to be everything that he wants it to be, that we have to go uncharted. Um, if you go uncharted without the Holy Spirit, you are just lost. Right? If you go uncharted without the Holy Spirit, you are lost. But when you, are, when you go uncharted with the Holy Spirit, you are in a place to have divine revelation. Are you guys hearing me on that? Are you guys love, is the graphic, oh, okay, yes. That is of Tennessee, y'all. I see everyone looking at it like, is that Tennessee? That's Tennessee. <laughs> Just to get that out the way. Um, some of you guys are like, I didn't even know that was a county. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what it is to go uncharted and how we as pioneers need to be uncomfortable in this uncharted place because some of us love control some of us love to know where we're going we love to know how we're getting there we love to know who's going to be there right some of you guys don't even go to group events because you're like who's going to be there i don't like him i'm not going to go <laughs> you know who you are you know who I, I used to do the same thing who's going oh this person this person all right cool oh and this person's showing up i ain't going and then some of you guys lie and be like, yeah, yeah, I'll see you tonight, knowing good and well you're already in your PJs, already laying in your bed with Netflix and your plate on your belly, and you're just like, I'm not going anywhere. The church, we're when we go and chart it, I want to talk about 
the church. The church. The church without, a, without the Holy Spirit is a social club. It's not the church. It's a social club, right? If we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we, get a, if we do this every Sunday and we don't invite the Holy Spirit into our presence, into our midst, in us, in corporate worship, we become a social club. There are a lot of places that look and operate as social clubs. The church is not a business. There are business aspects to it, but when God formed the church, his heart for the church wasn't to be a business. It was always to be a people. It was always to be a community. What unifies us isn't that we're all just human and we have ears and noses and mouths. That's not the unifying thing about us. The unifying thing about us is that you came here because for some of us, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. And so the Holy Spirit that dwells in us calls us to community with one another because spirit bears witness to spirit. Right? Amen? So the reason why we're here is not because it's like, oh, we're just a cool, trendy church in downtown Memphis. No, it's like we're here because we just believe that the Holy Spirit is here. And we want to know what happens when believers full of the Holy Spirit come together. It's not only a church, it's a little part of heaven. So every, day, every Sunday when you come here and all the believers are working together and worshiping together, you are not just having church you are experiencing a little part of heaven. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wild? Right? Heaven. And some of you guys are unimpressed by heaven. I'm, don't lose your wonder about heaven, okay? Don't lose your, once you lose your wonder about heaven, you become bored with it. I know there are things that are going on and we're like, oh, heaven is like this, heaven is like that. We have no idea what heaven is like. So much so that God has hidden eternity within our hearts that we're like, I can't wait to get there. Well, get there. It's not really a get there kind of thing, huh? If the Bible ends with heaven on earth, I can't, it's more like I can't wait till it gets here. You know what? Or is it more of like, I can't wait to be in the spirit to experience heaven while I'm still here? We've been taught wrong. Some of us. We think like, oh, when we die, we're going to go to heaven. No. The statement should be more like, I'm going to live to experience more of heaven. And then when Jesus comes back, it's going to be the turn up of the lifetime. Okay? The turn up of the lifetime. It says we're going to be in our glorified bodies. I'm going to have hair again. Because that's, that's what I want, God. That's what I want. I don't want to be bald. No, I'm just kidding. I, I enjoy being bald. It's easy to maintain. Um, <laughs> what makes the church is the Holy Spirit. Nothing outside of the Holy Spirit makes a church. It makes, that's why it says when two or three are gathered, I am in your midst. It's not because of, oh, there's just a group of people together. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the, the um, ruach, the Elohim, the breath that is indwelling in all of us that makes the church a church. So when two or three are gathered, you are having church. And it's just like, well, what if we're just hanging out? That's church. What if we're eating? That's church. What if we're um, out experiencing, you know, just at a basketball game? Are two or three of you together of one spirit, of one mind? That is the church. Amen? And I know for some of us, we think that, oh, God called us, oh, the spirit, we have to be, um, God called us to unity and not uniformity, Okay? That's why when you look around this room, there's all kinds of different people, all kinds of different um, spaces, all kinds of different walks of life. God did not call the church to uniformity. He didn't. That's why I'm dressed the way I am and not wearing a suit, because I probably can't afford it, but I'm not wearing a suit, and I'd probably sweat it out every Sunday. He called us to unity. Yes, we all look different. We all have different walks and different spaces, but the one thing that unites us is the Holy Spirit. He called the church to unity. That's why it breaks my heart when I see the church separated on things that in, the, in light of eternity will never matter. It will never matter. When we get to heaven, God is not going to ask you, do you know who the 39th president was? No. That, like, that's not a question. 
He's not going to ask you, oh, did you do this? Or, or he's just going to be like, what did you do with all that I gave you? How did you steward it? How did you steward all that I gave you? Well, God, you didn't, you didn't give me a lot. No, that's not true. I gifted you. I gave you gifts. These are spiritual gifts that I gave you. I filled you with my spirit. You had everything you needed in me. So that's the question. What did you do with what I gave you? Not who did you align with? After the death and resurrection, we know a couple things, and I want you to write these things down. I got four of them. I'm going to just tell them all right now. One, the spirit through the blood of Jesus could now make a dwelling place inside of man. The spirit through the blood of Jesus can now be a dwelling place inside of man. Why is that important? Because after the fall, the spirit no longer dwelled in man. If you read all the Old Testament, you see that the spirit came upon Samson. It came upon Elijah. It came upon all these people to do the supernatural things that they were called to do. Now, when Jesus died, the spirit doesn't come upon us. It literally dwells in us. It, dwell, it literally was like, came in and it was like an IGTV in our hearts. Fixed it up, renovated, gave it value, and not did, not, the Holy Spirit didn't leave and sell it. He's like, no, no, no I'm going to stay here. And some of you guys are like, I don't feel like the Holy Spirit did something in me. Yes, he did. You're not where you were yesterday. You're not where you were a year ago. You think and act differently. You now have compassion to someone who looks different towards you, whereas your old self would just would have cursed them out. You don't flip people off when you drive in Memphis anymore. For some of you, we're still working on it. I understand. For some of you, are like, oh, I want to, but no, I, don't, I can't do that. I don't, that's not me anymore. So the Holy Spirit made a dwelling inside of men. Number two, we were not given the Holy Spirit for the sake of going to heaven. God didn't give us the Holy Spirit like a train ticket, like, just, like the Polar Express. Like, do you have your ticket? Good, you're going to heaven. That's not why we have the Holy Spirit. The reason why we are, in, that we are the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the point of it is not so that we could just go to heaven, but so that we can create heaven on earth. God put the Spirit in us to create little pockets of heaven on earth. That's why we have the Spirit. I think some of us, we want to use, oh, I believe in Jesus, like, you know, insurance for not going to hell. But I want to tell you today, the way you act on earth will reflect where your eternity is. Some people, I've, I've spoken to some people, and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm scared of hell, and, you know, whatever. And it's just like, well, whatever you act like, that's where your eternity is. I want to live my life as a citizen of heaven so my lifestyle reflects that. I don't want to act like hell and then be like worried about heaven. No, no, no. I'm going to act and move as a citizen of heaven so that when heaven comes back down on earth, it's no, I'm not like surprised like, oh, I can't believe I have to act entirely different. I have to be entirely different. No, no. When heaven comes back on earth, it's just like, oh, I've been operating in this already. This is just a visual manifestation of what was yet to come. Are you, I know, you guys with me this morning? You guys had your hot coffee, cold coffee? No? All right, you can talk to me. It's okay. I'm not going to bite. Or I might yell at you a little bit, but I'm not going to bite. We were here to bring heaven on earth. We are filled with the Spirit to bring heaven on earth. The reason why people want to be in community in churches is not because of you or because like you're so popular. It's because the Spirit that is in you that bears witness that says, I want what they have. I want whatever's in you, the community that you have, I want that. Because by myself, I don't have that. And what they're experiencing is just heaven. Number three, we were given a charge and authority while here on earth through Matthew 28. Matthew 28, the last couple verses, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we were, we were placed on this earth to create heaven around us and in us. And then he also gave us a purpose. He didn't give us the Spirit and not give us a purpose. What are we supposed to do with the Spirit? We're supposed to put it to work. Y'all know those people? Y'all know those people who clock into work and don't do nothing? And you're doing their job, and you're just looking at them like, 
you, you on the clock? God put his spirit on us to do the work. Go, create disciples, teach, baptize, and I will be with you. I think some of us, I don't want to be a spiritual reservoir where I'm just taking in sermons and Bible verses and studies and I'm just taking it in and taking it in and the water begins to sit there. You know what happens when water sits in a place? What happens? It gets gross, right? It gets stagnant. It smells. It gets mosquitoes. It's horrible. It looks like it's pond scum. And then Starbucks scoops it and calls it matcha. No, I'm just kidding. It's pond scum. I know some of you matcha drinkers are like, how could you? It's okay. I drink matcha too, guys. When water doesn't move, it just sits and it corrodes. But only when water is poured out and it's moving, it doesn't get all of those infections. It doesn't get stagnant. So the spirit fills us because we have to go and be poured out. I don't want to be a spiritual reservoir. I just don't want to consume biblical things without being poured out. Because we have a lot of Christians who are consuming a lot of biblical things and content and we're searching and looking for sermons and we're doing all this, but we are not asking God to pour us out. You guys know that song? Fill me up so I can overflow, right? Y'all heard Tasha Cobb sing it. Fill me up. We're saying, God, fill me up, fill me up. And he's like, you're full. Go pour it out. Go, go be Jesus to someone. Go share the gospel with someone. Go serve someone. I don't want to just be filled up all the time because sometimes, like you guys have to understand, that's how you can get stale in the church. You're filled up so much, you have really great mental knowledge, but no heart movement. There are some people who know the Bible better than me. They're like, Brother, when you preach this, da da da, and they can break it down theologically to like, oh, this is the etymology, and here's all the details, and I'm just sitting there like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's good, that's good. And then they're talking about it, but yet we'll never tell someone about Jesus. I don't want to have all this head knowledge that my heart doesn't change. You guys have heard it said before, the longest journey is not the one that you walk out physically, the longest journey is between your heart and your head. Can you, what you learn in your head, does it transform your heart? Does it compel you to go and share Jesus with someone? Does it compel you to go to your coworkers and have heaven be created around you? I worked in, at, a, at a retail store and some of my coworkers were believers and so there were times when we would get together and we just had this joy within us because the spirit was just moving and we'd encourage each other and be like, oh, what'd you preach about? What'd you studying? And then as people would walk by or join the circle, they would join and want to talk about it because we were creating heaven in a small myth and they wanted to know and we end up sharing Jesus with people. Are you in, that's why it says in the Bible, don't forsake the meeting of the brethren, because when you forsake it and you're like, I don't need the church, I could have church at my house, that's a lie. That's a lie, yes. Can you experience the Holy Spirit by yourself? 100%. Can you have church? No. Am I coming at you all sideways today? Okay, good. Good, good, good. Number four. He gives the source and the power to the very thing he commanded us to do. Imagine us being asked to perform a job without giving the proper tools. Anyone have, ever work a job like that? Right? Can I get more yeses? Because <laughs> you work a job and you're like, hey, I need you to do this job. Okay, I'm going to need a computer and this and this. And they're like, we have a calculator. That, no. I've been to a job where they never gave me the resources to properly succeed. So much so that at a year's end, I was let go. And I was just like, well, I never received the tools that I was properly, I never was equipped to do the job that you gave me to do. You see, Jesus, he, God knew that he wanted to create, the goal for God was to create heaven on earth again. So what does he do? He says, you know what, if I want heaven on earth again, I need to send my son Jesus who will die and his blood will wash away all of their sins. And because he washed away all their sins, I can now empower them by means of the Holy Spirit to create heaven on earth. Without the Holy Spirit, we couldn't do what God wants us to do. We would be ill-equipped. 
So heaven would not be created on earth. But God, see, he knew the plan. He's like, if I'm going to create heaven back on earth the way it was in Genesis, I need to equip them with my spirit to do the job I've called them to do. So Jesus goes, he talks to the disciples, we're going to turn to Acts 1. He gave them very specific instructions, very, very specific instructions in Acts 1. He goes, in my former, well, he's talk, this is the, uh, Luke talking, talking to Theophilus. He's, he wrote the book, a part of the book of Acts. It says, Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. We know what the kingdom of God is, right? There's a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Um, write this down. This is important. The kingdom of heaven is a location. The kingdom of heaven is a location. The kingdom of God is an influence, right? And you're like, make sense of that, pastor. I've, I haven't gotten it yet. The kingdom of heaven is where God lives, right? Let's make it modern day and let's say the, England is ran by a kingdom. That's, the queen of England has her castle in which she lives in. Now, but England also at some point owned the Bahamas, right? We know this. They took territory. If you don't know, it's history. It's real. So they took territory. The queen did not live in the Bahamas, but her influence was there, right? They drank tea, they drove, they said, hello, good morning, how are you doing, mate? Everything, that was the influence. In the same way, the kingdom of God is an influence. What is the kingdom of God? How do we know that we have his influence but by means of the Holy Spirit? So the kingdom of God is the influence of God. It is his holy presence dwelling within us. And so he preached about the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If the disciples never waited for the Holy Spirit and tried to manifest the vision of the kingdom of heaven, they would have been operating in disobedience. They would have tried to make something happen on their own, in their own strength, and they would have been moving in disobedience. Jesus told them to go and wait in Jerusalem. What does it have to do with us? I believe today, Jesus has told us the same thing. The Spirit said, go and wait. But we can't, it's like, God, how long do I have to wait for? Who here hates waiting? I do. I especially hate waiting at a restaurant. It's like, don't they have this made already? Why isn't it getting here faster? Like, come, we are on a clock, you know? And then if I'm with my wife and she's already hangry, I am like, y'all about to get this restaurant turned upside down. Please. Please. Jesus says to go and wait. A lot of us, God has told us to wait. And some of us have operated in disobedience because we're like, I can make it happen on my own. I can do it in my own strength. This is why some of you guys go to bed exhausted and tired of trying to pursue something when Jesus said to wait. Waiting is not a weakness. What you do in waiting... What you do in waiting will show the level of your faith. He tells the disciples, go and wait for the spirit I'm going to send you. If some of you guys would just wait on the Lord, he will make your path clear. You have to understand, Jesus loves to use crooked sticks to make straight lines. And you're like, this is not going the way I planned it. Excellent. It's going the way he planned it. I find that when I give things to the Lord and I wait on him and they don't go the way I planned, it actually ends up better for me. It's just like, oh, I didn't expect to be here. How did I get here? 
waiting on the Lord. Psalm 27 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for him. Some of us want to move too fast. We live in a culture that's always moving so fast. There is a peace. There is a restoration. There is a growth in learning how to wait. God, how come my career hasn't taken off? How come my business hasn't started? How come my family didn't start? How come this is going on? I'm trying to make it happen. And the whole time, and you're getting frustrated and you're overreading signs and you're overreading things and you're Googling and being like, why isn't this working? I did all the steps to grow my Instagram followers. Why isn't this working? I connected with so and so and they're super influential. Why? And then you're so frustrated and then you get to the point, hear this, that you're like, God, I'm angry with you. You're not blessing what I'm doing. And he goes, well, you didn't wait. You didn't wait. If you just wait on me, there is a divine strength that you have that I move through. I will speak to you. I will walk with you. But when you move without me, you're working in your own strength, and you're only using the resources you can literally put your hands on. Ain't that wild? We expand our earthly, we expense our earthly resources so fast when we're moving in our flesh. But then when we move by the Spirit, we have the entire resource of heaven. And it never runs out. It never runs out. Psalm 37, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. He says, Don't worry, wait. Because some of us look around, and they're like, well, they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they seem like to, they look like they're succeeding. Why are they doing this, and they're doing great, and why is this happening for them? But yet, Scripture says, don't worry about them. That's momentary. What I planned for you is eternal. It'll last a lifetime. This is why I like, like uh, social media is good, but sometimes I hate it. Because we just live in this comparison trap all the time. And we see what everyone else is doing, and God is like, if you would just wait, like, I have all that you need wrapped up in me. Do you need wisdom? I got it. Do you need hope? I got it. Do you need joy? I have it. Do you need confidence? It's in me. Just wait on the Lord. Just wait for my spirit to move. So much so that when Jesus, and we read this many times in the New Testament, Jesus himself who, who was God and 100% God and 100% man, he says, I do nothing outside the Father's will. Jesus, who was 100% man and 100% God, said, I do no miracles. I perform no signs. I don't do anything outside of the will of my Father. That should heighten the importance of walking and living in the Spirit, knowing when to go and knowing when to stop, knowing when to wait. Some of us have gotten upset with God because God said wait, and you just took it as a no. Because we like to jump to conclusions. Look at that. Well, I guess if it's not going to happen now, it's never going to happen. That's not what he said. He said wait on the Lord. Everything you want, it says in Scripture, it says, Seek first the kingdom, and everything will be added unto you. You want to see the desires of your heart according to the scripture come to fruition? Seek first the kingdom. Anytime I feel confused or I don't know what to do, I seek the kingdom. I don't know where to go. I feel like God's leading me here. Did you seek the kingdom? Yes. Is that where he, you feel the presence of God is leading you? Yes. Go. But some of us are not seeking the kingdom. We're not seeking God. We're not seeking his influence. We're not seeking his presence. And then we make decisions, and then we're like, God, how come, how come you let me do that? Right? Anyone have that conversation with God? God, why'd you let me do that? Because I gave you free will. If I didn't let you do it, it wouldn't be free will. It wouldn't be love. The Holy Spirit loves to create. It's in his wheelhouse. He can't help but create. This is, by, this is the reason why, as a church, we need to be walking in the Spirit. I don't want to be a church that walks without the Spirit because then we can't create anything. Our vision statement, we create. 
We create. The reason why we create is because the Spirit is within us. So we create. How do I know the Holy Spirit loves creating stuff? Let's go to Genesis. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, His holy presence, was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. If you look all around you, the Spirit is creating spaces and new life for people to grow in the kingdom. Some of us get in a little rut with God. We're like, what's going on? I don't see like anything creating. This is why Waymaker was such a beautiful song. Because when you wait, you can say, God, I will wait on you. That doesn't mean to be lazy. I'm not saying, some of y'all are like, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait for a job to come my way. Uh... You better move out your parents' house, be mature and adult. You have to work. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Yes, wait in the spirit, but yes, move actively. It's so countercultural to each other. That's a beautiful thing. It's saying that while I wait on the Lord, I'm going to be doing something. I'm going to fix my resume. I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go love. I'm going to go help. I don't want to be a church that has a high quantity of people with zero Holy Spirit. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be those people. It's like, yeah, we have thousands coming. Ain't no Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not in here creating anything because we didn't invite him. I don't want to meet in the means of like hype and this is what we're doing. We want to be a church that's impacted by the Holy Spirit, that's impacting our, our inner community and our outer community, those who don't know God and those who want to know God because that's where the Spirit dwells. He says, go and make disciples. There's teaching in that. This is the church of the uncharted. The Holy Spirit constantly wants to be operating in the image of his Son creating newness within the church community. We see so much so when we, we're going to jump to Acts 2. I know we're, we're jumping a little bit because there's some things I just want to cover. It says, Acts 2, you guys can turn with me. Um, I'm going to read 1 to 13. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What's interesting, what I love about this is that we see that when God gave the Spirit to Adam in the beginning, he, bre he breathed, 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 one of those. I've been in Memphis for too long. Uh, he breathed the Holy Spirit into Adam. It's the Ruach, the Numa, the Elohim. He breathed the Spirit into Adam. And then when Adam sinned, right, the Spirit that dwelled in Adam no longer could dwell in him because he chose autonomy from God. And so now they're all in the room together. And it says, what the sound of a violent wind came from heaven, like the blowing of a violent wind. When I saw that, I was like, oh, so what you breathed into Adam, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you are now able to breathe into us again. Redemption. Everything that happened in the Old Testament, Jesus redeemed. He said, oh, the spirit's gone? Okay, through my blood and my death and my resurrection, I'm going to make the human body a temple, a place for the Holy Spirit. And it says that, and it says right there in Acts 2 that, a violent wind. So it's like, I believe Jesus was like, oh, this spirit, I'm going to breathe it into man again. So much so that if we went, if, if we tried to have church without it, it would not exist. Jesus redeemed not only the earth, but he redeemed man. We're going to keep on reading. It says, now they were staying among them in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. That when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, 
Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of our God in our own tongues. They were amazed and perplexed. And they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine to drink. When you are filled with the Spirit, there are things that we as a church are able to do in the supernatural that don't make sense to the physical world. It will not make sense. Why would you pray for someone with terminal cancer? Why are you praying for healing for someone with a condition? You've been dealing with this for 10 years. Why are you praying? Because my Bible says that when I pray and when I invite, that's all prayer is. It's an invitation to God to intervene on the physical, right? So prayer is not no wild thing. It's just asking God, hey, could you intervene on, on our behalf on the physical? Why would I pray? Because the spirit in me has empowered me to call on the resources of heaven to change this physical thing that's going on. That's the power that dwells in us. That's what makes us the church. It's not because Pastor Jeremy had a good idea. It was the dwelling of the spirit that says, I want you to create an environment downtown where I'm going to ask your people to intervene on behalf of the world to do things they don't understand. They thought all these guys were drunk. These guys had too much wine. Some They thought they were drunk. See, this is why it's so, when you walk in the spirit, it's so contrary to what's going on in the earth. People don't understand what's going on. They don't understand how you can have joy in a tough circumstance. They don't understand that your eyes are fixed to the hill from where your hope comes from. They don't understand that when your family feels like it's falling together, you're in the middle of it praying and holding it all together. They don't understand when bad things happen, you go to the office the next day and you're saying, I, it is well with my soul. They don't get that. And it's right there in Scripture. They will never understand, the world will never understand that. That in the middle of chaos, it seems that those filled with the Spirit are never shaken. It's because it's like I know on the solid rock on which I stand. I don't... If we see the church today as a whole... If we look at the church today, and it can be a little, like, let's be honest, right? It can be a little depressing, right? It can be real. Looking at the capital, the big church on a whole, you look at it and you're like, dang, what happened? Why are we so, like, disjointed? Why isn't, why do we hate each other? Why are we so angry at each other? Why are we so hurtful towards each other? And that, or in the, in the when we when I see that, when we see that, when we experience that, it's depressing. It's sad. And I believe that when God looks from heaven, He goes, "That's not the plan. That's not the plan. The plan was for you to guys have unity through My Spirit. Run the play. Stick with the play. Like that's the plan. It doesn't matter." what part of theology you're looking at. I don't care what denomination you are. If you have my spirit, move in unity. Love one another. Care for one another. Show the world what heaven is like. Show them that I love them. Show them that I care about them. Show them through my spirit that it doesn't matter what, what, what decisions you've made, what lifestyle you chose, that when there is love through my spirit and when we're, when we're led by one spirit, that unity can reign, that joy can happen, that restoration can happen, that redemption can happen, and you don't have to stay where you are, but you can be made new. Show them that through my church. Show them that through you guys. I want the world to see it through you. I don't want them to try and understand what the world is doing. They don't have my spirit. They have, a, they have the spirit of this age. The spirit of this age is always passing. But if you show them my spirit, you can show them heaven. You can show them what heaven is like. You can, they'll understand that it's okay to come broken. 
They'll understand that they don't have to have it all together. They'll get it, but you got to show them heaven. You got to show them grace. You got to show them mercy. You have to have my spirit amongst you. You won't be able to do it in your own strength. You think a church is successful because of how many people they have in the seats? No, church is only successful when it replicates heaven. When you show them heaven, that's a successful church. That's a successful body. Is when the spirit is on display. I want to read, it's in Acts 2. Um, we're going to do 32 to 41 because Paul, Peter addresses the crowd and basically he, basically he starts sharing with them the gospel. He starts sharing with them like, and, and, not, and you guys have to understand like Peter was a mess up like each and every one of us, okay? Peter did silly things, cutting off ears and such, just wilding like, bro, chill. Like Jesus had to tell him, chill in the garden, bro, relax. I made that ear. I'm going to put it back, but don't do it again. You know? And we look at all these, like, what happens is we look at all these men of the Bible, you know, the Samsons, Elijahs, and Davids, and all this stuff, and we're like, look at these great men of faith, right? Who's been told in church, like, these are great men of faith. Do you know that they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them the way you do? And that when Jesus, before, when he was walking the earth, he says, hey, I'm leaving because the Spirit I'm going to fill you with, you're going to do greater than me. Only a king of a kingdom and a father can want his children to do greater than him. I want you to do greater than me. I see my kids, my three girls. I'm like, I want y'all to tear it up for Jesus. Do greater things than I did. Only a father's heart could want that for his children. And we know Jesus did supernatural, amazing things when he walked this earth. And yet he's like, you guys are going to do this and greater. So Peter is telling them the entire gospel, hey, the Jesus you crucified is the king of kings. He's the king of glory, and he is coming again, and he's preaching the gospel for them. And what's beautiful is that Peter was not a pastor or preacher at all. He was an uneducated fisherman. An uneducated fisherman. This is why it blows my mind when people say, Pastor, can you pray for me? I know you got that connection with God. You got the same one too. All right, stop leaning on my hotline. Use your own. Okay, running up my heavenly minutes. Use your own if that spirit that's in me is also in you. He's not just my God. See, y'all have to understand that, yes, Jesus died for you, but he didn't die only for you. He died for the church. He died for his bride. He died so that, yes, that you can be saved, that you can be redeemed and restored, but so that you can also find community amongst those who are redeemed and restored. Jesus didn't die for you to be by yourself, okay? You were created to be in relationship. You were literally formed. That's why Adam wasn't by himself. He had Eve. And then they they ate the wrong fruit salad and, you know, Everything happened. Acts 2.32, it says, God, this is Peter, he says, God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. It says, when people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Out of this ordinary, plain, uneducated fisherman, the gospel would come forth. You have to understand that you weren't placed on this earth by accident. You were you are not a result of passion. You were purposed and positioned to be here, to be filled with the Spirit. And I don't care if you have seven suffixes after your name. I don't care what degree you decided to hang on your wall. When you are the, in the Spirit, you are able to do things that you are not qualified on this earth to do. And that's the beauty 
of the Spirit. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of this gospel, is that all of us are in this room totally unqualified to be sharing and preaching and having community, and yet the Spirit looks at us and he goes, Amen. Amen. That's why some of you guys are like, oh, I don't feel like I'm qualified. You don't have to be qualified. Well, certain things you got to be qualified on this earth. But you don't have to be qualified to share the gospel. You don't have to be qualified to show them Jesus. What does that even look like? Every one of you, I want to tell you right now, you are a preacher. What? No, that's your job. No, it's our job. You are a preacher. You are a sharer of the gospel. Don't think this platform means, means something. It's like, oh, you're on a platform, so yeah, you're a preacher. No, no, no. You want to know where your platform is? It's at your job. It's in your college. It's amongst your friends. That's where your platform is. It doesn't have to be elevated. It could just be like, hey, man, I saw you struggling. Can I pray for you? Ooh. Hey, are you in need? Oh, you can't pay a bill? Hey, let me pray for you, and I'm going to cover that one for you. Oof. That sounds like heaven, doesn't it? That sounds like heaven. Some of you guys, we say, lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. And then when he's trying to lead you, like, but not there. I don't want to go there. But if no one goes, the Holy Spirit will find someone, but it's so much better when we're obedient. I believe that there are unreached parts of the world because someone told them that they weren't qualified to be a missionary. There's some of us who are not living out the calling that God has for us because someone told us we had to be qualified to do it. Start walking. You'll see the waters part. It says, Peter replied, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. The promise is for you and your kids. So you mean to tell me, like, Jesus is for everybody? Mm-hmm. You, but what if, what if I hated Jesus? Promises for you too. But pastor, like, you don't know, like, the sin I committed. The promises for you too. Well, you don't know, like, my backstory. But they're, they're of a different religion. The promises for them too. I think sometimes we as humans do this silly thing. And we see someone who's far off, and in our spirit, we disqualify them and say, mm, God couldn't bring them. Who's done? I've done that. I've seen some people, and I'm like, mm, I don't know. I think they're too far gone. But yet, Jesus never had that thought when he hung on the cross. He never had that thought like, they're too far gone. The promise is not only for us. And our children, the promise is for those who don't know Christ. So every time you see someone and they hate on God or they hate God or they hate Jesus, it's like, no, the promise is for you too. You can say all that hate all you want. The promise is for you too. Some of us want to feel this need to like defend God. Like, you can't talk about God that way. That's my God. Da, 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 da. And God is like, bring him. I invite him. I always find, I, have, I mean, if you guys look at the scripture, the whole New Testament was written by a guy who hated and killed Christians. Hated and killed. Do you know how many people at that time was like, God ain't going to save him. And God was like, I got this wild thing I'm going to do. I got this wild thing I'm going to do. I can see all of heaven. I can see all of heaven. They're like, Jesus, this guy's persecuting people and da-da-da. And Jesus is like, I know. I'm going to meet him personally. Watch this. Give me five seconds. So much so that he's like, I don't even want my old name anymore. Don't call me by that. It says, and I'm going to end here if someone doesn't mind coming up and playing. It says, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized 
And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You are not filled with the Holy Spirit just to keep you from hell. You were filled with the Holy Spirit to create heaven on earth. You were filled so that you can become an agent of the supernatural to push back the influence of hell. You were filled not for your glory, but for his glory. It says 3,000 were added to that day. And if you think for a second it was added because of how eloquent Peter was, that's not it. You missed it. The reason why 3,000 were added to that day is because every word that Peter spoke was from the throne of grace, that it's so much so it cut them to the heart. The reason why they hated Jesus, you guys have to understand, the reason why they hated Jesus in his day was because he affected the bottom line. He affected the money. And God was like, you just wait till the spirit comes. See, that's the uncharted church. They started moving in a direction that the synagogue had not seen before. Why do they have this joy? How come this untrained fisherman is preaching? How come these untrained men are leading the church? It's not because they were full of influence, but they were full of the spirit. They weren't, they weren't trying to gain earthly influence. They were just full of the spirit. So much so that when they preach the gospel, people are like, I don't want that anymore. This was a great transition in history. They went from a Judaic belief to Gentile Christianity. People are, people are converting. I know, listen, and I'm going to end here because we have to take communion. We live in a day and age where, unfortunately, deconstruction videos are super popular. Everyone wants to have a story on why they're leaving the faith. They're very popular. So much so we know of people who are following Christ for a long time, and they're like, well, this is my deconstruction. This is why I left the faith. Some of it's on them, but I believe some of it's on the church too. Were we full of the Spirit to see a need, to see a hurt, to see an emptiness? Were, we in, were they in constant community where someone could encourage them and love on them? Did we preach the gospel? Did we teach the gospel? Did we teach redemption? Or did we have attitudes of like, mm, they're too far off? Or do, were we in a place where it's just like, I don't know if God's going to save them. I want to be the uncharted church. I want to be a church that's countercultural, but all Holy Spirit. Not in our own strength, not just by what we say, by what we do. We love God and we love one another. This is a pivotal time for the church. Barna and all these research sites are talking about how people are leaving the church in droves. Everyone's leaving the church. It's like, I think you're a little bit wrong. I think they left the building. I don't think they left people, though, because we are still here. So I don't care what research comes out. Oh, everyone's leaving the church. Not the church is filled with the Spirit. Those seem to always be full. That's why you're here. If we're not led by the Spirit, we should stop what we're doing today. If at any point this church stops being led by the Spirit, <laughs> we're going to call it quits. I'm not looking, I'm not saying 3,000 is going to be added to our number. I'm saying where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's victory, there's freedom. And when people see that they're attracted to it because they want what's going on in you. Could you guys stand with me? Do you guys receive that? Do you guys receive that today? I don't. It's great that we have all these online platforms and these social media platforms. But I don't want people to come only because they saw like a cool Instagram post. 
That will, that's what brings them in. Do you want to know what keeps them? Man, I, I'm loved here. Like, I'm different. Like, you guys have a different spirit about you. And this other church, like, and some of us, this is our story, like, no one even said hi to me. I went to this other church, and they started, like, getting really political. I went to this other church, and, like, they'd be, it's just like, no, you, when you come to this church, we're all about the Holy Spirit. We're going to love you through it no matter what. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, If you're in this room and you feel like your relationship with God and you're at some point and you're like, I don't know if I'm full of this Holy Spirit that you speak about. Wherever I came up in, wherever, wherever I, I learned about Jesus, they never really talked about it. And I want to let you know that if you're in this room and you feel like you've missed the Holy Spirit or you're not full of the Holy Spirit as, as, as I talked about, I want to pray for you. We're going to pray. I want you to raise your hand because I want the Holy Spirit to fill you today. I don't care if you thought you know Jesus your entire life or how many churches you've been to. I, our, my prayer for each and every person in this church is that you are filled with the Spirit. So if you want to be filled with this Holy Spirit, if you, want to, if you want to be made new, if you want to operate in the church, raise your hand. I want to pray. I see you. I see you. I see you. I got you. I see you. I see you. I see you. With every hand lifted high, keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. No one's looking around. No one sees you. It's me, you, and God right now. Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit begin to fall on each and every person that raised their hand, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to fill them up, Lord God, that by the time they walk out of this building, Lord God, that they are overflowing with your spirit, Lord Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that they begin to operate in the supernatural, Lord God. Give them wisdom. Give them power, Lord God, from on high, not of their own strength, Lord God, but by your throne, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray for each and every person who raised their hand saying, fill me, Holy Spirit. I'm tired. I'm done with me. I repent of my ways. I turn from my ways and I turn to you. I want to operate in the supernatural. I want to pray and see things that are prayed come to pass. Give them authority, Lord God, when they walk into their workplace. Give them authority from on high when they're in the school building. Give them authority on high when they walk the street and you fill them with words to speak to a stranger, to tear down demonic strongholds, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Lord, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're a member of this church, if you belong to this church, and, or even if you're just visiting, I want to pray that we begin to operate and move as the church. And that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray right now in the name of the Most High God, the name that is above every other name, Lord. I pray over every member of this church, every person in this church, Lord God, I pray right now that heaven begins to overflow from within them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, that wherever they set their foot on this journey called life, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit begins to pour out of them in ways they have yet to understand. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we are the church not only on Sundays in this building, but we are the church Monday through Saturday outside of it. So much so that when people see us moving in our different spaces and places in life, Lord God, that they want what's going on in the inside of us. And it's not that they want us, but that they want you. Lord God, if Peter, an uneducated man filled with the Spirit, can preach and add 3,000 in a day, Lord God, how much more is the Spirit in us and then we could add to the kingdom tomorrow? Fill us up. Fill us up. We don't serve a dead spirit. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. We serve a Holy Spirit. There are people in our workplace who are waiting for us to ask them about Jesus. There are people in our lives who are waiting for us to pray for them. Lord God, I pray for each and every person in this room that when they share the gospel, that it is not intellect to the mind, but it cuts to the heart. The same spirit that cut to the heart when Peter was preaching, Lord God, is the same spirit that will cut to the heart when we begin to speak of your goodness. 
We thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill us up until we overflow. So much so that when we look at our past selves, we're shocked on who you made us to be. Lord God, I pray before we take communion, Lord, that, Lord God, I pray for repentance for me and our entire church family that we, when we take the sacrament of communion, Lord God, that it is with clean hands and a pure heart. You said every time you do this, to repent and clean yourself. So Lord God, let the blood of Jesus wash over us and make us new. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. All right, if you have communion, I'd like to lead us through communion. On the night that he was betrayed, he said, take this bread and eat of it, for this is the bread of my body, which will be broken for you. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So no, this is not his literal body. It's a piece of bread. But he's like, every time you take of this sacrament, remember my sacrifice. So Father, we just thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your body. Though it was broken, you held it together. Everyone take of the bread. On the same night that he was betrayed, he said, take this cup and drink of it. For this is the cup of the new and everlasting covenant. This is my blood which will be poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord God, we know your blood was poured out and it makes us clean. And because of your blood, we now have the spirit living in us. So we take of this sacrament, Lord God, remembering you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Don't forget these moments of communion. This is not something religious. This is the very thing he did before he poured out his spirit. The very thing he did was like, I'm going to make you new. I'm going to make a new covenant. Let's pray. And then I believe, is anyone coming up for announcements? We're done. Carissa has one announcement. No? Okay. Cody's here. All right, great. Excellent. <laughs> just came out the corner. Scared me a little bit. Ah! Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your spirit moving. Thank you for a good time and together as a community, Lord. We pray that in the name of Jesus, that it doesn't stay here, but it goes out with us. That we are the church that the world is needing to see. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness, Lord God. Fill us up. Let us overflow in places you have yet to bring us to. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. I love my church, and if you'll bear with me briefly, I'm going to explain to you how you can get plugged into this church. So if you don't know what I'm about to say, then what I'm about to say is for you. First of all, as you're leaving, on the right, you will see um, flower pots back behind Miss Jerry. Miss Jerry, will you wave at everybody? These flower pots serve two purposes. First of all, uh, it is for your tithes and your offerings, and we at Pioneer believe that if you uh, sow that seed of faithfulness, to invest in the kingdom of God, that God will show you a return on that investment. Uh, next, it's for your own information. We have connect cards, and so if we don't already know who you are, we would love to get to know you so that we can take you out for coffee, um, host you. Even if you're like CJ and you had to take a flight just to come to our church today, then we want to know about you so that we can uh, greet you the next time that you're here. Um, next, three weeks from today, we are doing a Journey 101 class, and the purpose of this class is for you to learn um, in very great detail about the, the, the vision of Pioneer Church, what our, our goals are, who we want to serve, and how you can help us do that. And so, again, October 24th, uh, it'll, it'll be right after service. We're going to feed you, and we're going to just welcome you into, into our family. Um, we have two opportunities where, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but God doesn't just work on Sundays. And my personal testimony, um, I've been experiencing an incredible amount of blessing and healing. Um, when we meet on Friday, we meet on the very first Friday of every month for what we call campfire nights. And we come here and we really just spend an hour, hour and a half, and let God do what he wants to do in that time. We pray, we worship, and then we just kind of follow the Spirit's lead. And it's been incredible. And so again, that's the first Friday of every month. Also, we have homestead groups that meet multiple nights a week. 
for multiple different reasons. And so regardless of where you are in your life, it's not too late to start participating in these. If you're in this room and you've been regularly attending a homestead, raise your hand. So if you look around and you see the people with their hands up, talk to them and ask them, where do you go? What do you do? Why do you go? And I promise you will get a very good sales pitch on why you should be a part of our small groups. Um, finally, on October 31st, uh, and, and don't get this wrong, we are not celebrating Halloween. We're not. We are doing something we're calling Fall Fest right out here in the atrium, and we're simply taking advantage of a night when a lot of people are out. A lot of people are active, and we want to flip this very secular holiday on its head and use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. And so please, if you'd like to participate in that, or anything that I just mentioned, it's all on our website. If you want more details, pioneerchurch.com, or again, ask somebody that you see that looks like they know what's up. Krista? Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Carissa, if you don't know me. Um, I am a senior at Visible Music College here, um, studying worship leadership, and I'm having my senior worship night this coming Saturday, October 9. <laughs> it is uh, something I've been working very hard for. Um, and I invite you all to come. It is not going to be here. It's actually going to be in South Haven um, at the building where city or the City Gate Church meets. Um, so if you want to come and you don't have a ride, please let me know and I'll help you coordinate it because I don't want that to be a reason that you can't come. But you're all invited. If you want more information, need more, have questions, let me know. Okay, I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Dear God, thank you for this time that you've blessed us with. Thank you for giving us all the opportunity to be a part of a family, to be a part of a church that is on the, uh, the path to building your kingdom and keeping that in front of us at all times. So bless us as we go and bring us and more back here next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening, and God bless you.